there does have to be a willingness to go there. And with that willingness to go there is the understanding that it's going to be uncomfortable. Things are going to get uncovered. There, there might be painful recollections, emotions that have been trapped in the body for so long might come up and they might be very overwhelming to feel. But the alternative is for them to not only stay stuck, but for them to stay stuck and take up even more space over time because they're so stuck. Hi friends and welcome to Do The Damn Thing. I'm your host, Lauren LaRue. I'm an entrepreneur who started with a small blog and now I am the CEO of the LaRue brand, a lifestyle business and branding studio for women entrepreneurs building intentional lives and intentional businesses. But don't fret, this podcast is for everybody. I created this podcast with the intent to offer people a safe space to land and learn about the journey we're all on together. It's not just about being happy. It's about healing, getting to know yourself, and living intentionally, which is why this podcast is the right place for all of you beautiful souls showing up ready to change your life. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another fabulous episode of the Do The Damn Thing podcast. I'm so excited to be bringing you guys another fabulous episode with another fabulous guest. We are joined by known as Zoe Magnetic. She is a registered psychotherapist and self-love slash manifestation coach with a master's degree in counseling, psychology, and an undergrad degree with a specialization in psychology. In her work with her psychotherapy clients, she specializes in mindfulness and nervous system regulation to decrease symptoms of anxiety and depression. And in her work as a coach, she uses those same tools, mindfulness and nervous system regulation to amplify her clients' manifestation abilities through increasing self-love and regulating their nervous system. It is all very interconnected, and I'm so excited to introduce you guys to Zoe. Zoe, introduce yourself to the people. Hello, everybody. I'm so excited to be here. Um, Lauren, thank you so much for such a warm welcome. Yeah, I love what I do. I love, love, love what I do. I'm fascinated by behavior, um, interconnected with my absolute passion of manifestation and self-love. They just go together so beautifully. So I had to find a way to merge the two together. And that's where Zoe Magnetic was born. I love that. Yeah. So I want to ask, where did you get the magnetic part? Yeah, so I the magnetic really came from my desire to blend the spiritual with the scientific. Um, there's so much out there these days with with spirituality and manifestation and coaching. I, I'm sure we've all heard things that maybe dive into the mm-hmm. woo woo a little bit, yeah. um, which is totally fine. And like I'm totally that girl as well. Like I'm not going to deny that. Um, but I also see the perspective of this of the scientific side i i have done a lot of research in my education mm-hmm. um my role as a psychotherapist is based heavily on a lot of research so i thought how can i combine the spiritual with the scientific and that's where i chose to um explore magnetism essentially which is both a scientific thing but also a very spiritual thing it's an yeah, energetic very. thing yeah yeah so that's where i decided to go with Zoe Magnetic when I was coming up with business names. I love it. It's it's such a like flow off your tongue and so beautiful. And mm-hmm. it's so funny when Anna made our introduction to each other, I looked at your name and I was like, wow, that's a very cool name to have. And then I Thank realized you. like, okay, she's playing with it. But still, it's such a great like business name because I think 
something that I've been stressing to the listeners and really just trying to amp up on is having true guest experts who are experts in their field, experts in their niche, but can also Mm -hmm. bring a lot of scientific or educational background to whatever conversation we're having. I know that that is so important to a lot of listeners to Mm -hmm. add value to both the spiritual and like personal belief side of things, but also the very educational, informational, scientifically proven accuracies of whatever conversations we're having. So I'm Mm -hmm. so happy to have you on. And I'm so excited to dive into our conversation. So right off the bat, in your introduction, we said the words nervous system regulation so many times. So if someone listening doesn't know what that means, can you tell us what a nervous system regulation means and how that works with manifesting? Yeah. So nervous system regulation is so important. I'm very biased, but it's just so important in my opinion. Um, Essentially, what having a regulated nervous system means is is being able to um, seamlessly transition. Okay, seamlessly might be a stretch, but to be able to <laughs> maneuver through the different states um, of stress, essentially, when we are maybe going between fight, flight, freeze, fawn responses, mm. it's being able to bring ourselves back to that state of homeostasis and bring ourselves back to a state of peacefulness, rest, calm, um, where we're more regulated, which is where we then can make clearer decisions. We can think more mindfully. We um, we just feel more at peace and more grounded, essentially. Mm. So the regulation piece comes into being able to get back into that balance because life is going to life sometimes. There are Mm going to be stressors. There are going to be things that come up where we are put into a freeze response. We are put Mm -hmm. into a flight response or a fight response, whatever response it is, Mm -hmm. where nervous system regulation plays a huge role is being able to bring ourselves back into the state of being grounded and being connected to ourselves, where we can make a decision that is more aligned with our values Mm -hmm. versus making a decision out of being in a fight or flight response. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I was listening to another podcast a couple of months ago about the brainwave state and how that affects like the way we make certain decisions in our lives and how most people don't reach, you know, the same level of like brainwave states that we reach when we're in REM or we're in we're in rest. And those are the the states that we can make the most like educated guesses from. Do you know anything about brainwave states and how that connects with your entire like nervous system versus just your brain? You know, I definitely learned so much about states of like like the stages of sleep and brainwave mm-hmm. states when I was in my undergrad, which was quite a few years ago. But in terms of how it connects to like our ability to make decisions and and the different states, like the different brain states and brainwave states um, and how that plays a role in nervous system regulation, it really comes down to um, being in like a sympathetic versus a mm-hmm. parasympathetic state with your nervous mm-hmm. system. Um, so with like the sympathetic nervous system, our fight or flight response is typically very activated versus mm-hmm. in a parasympathetic nervous state. That's when we restore our body to that state of calm. Mm-hmm. So I think being able to d- distinguish between the two, that's that's very helpful with nervous system regulation. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think something that is difficult when you're in a healing journey or like approaching a healing journey is not being able to identify those feelings in your body and not being able to mm-hmm. identify like 
which state you're actually in. So can you give us a little bit more detail on what it means, like symptoms of the body and what it means to be in a parasympathetic versus sympathetic? Yeah. So sympathetic is when we the crazy thing is that it's so normalized these days, mm-hmm. but it's not normal. So yeah. like if you really think about like what's normal versus normalized, so many things are normalized these days that are just not normal. Like a lot of people, I would even argue like most people are living in a sympathetic mm-hmm. state um, because our stress responses are high. Stress mm-hmm. today is really high. There are so many things that are putting pressure on us and that absolutely contributes to our nervous system, whether it's regulated or not or completely dysregulated. Um, so it unfortunately is quite normalized to be Mm -hmm. in like a state of chaos or to be in survival Mm -hmm. mode, but it's absolutely not normal at all. Um, And it's interesting because when we think about healing, one of the last things that comes to mind is like healing the nervous system or like regulating Mm -hmm. the nervous Mm -hmm. system. The first step is to like go inward instead Mm -hmm. of like go outward. And what I mean by that is we tend to like think about what we can like intellectualize or what we can therapize or Mm -hmm. what we can, what we can make sense of what we can logic our way through by like thinking about it or Mm -hmm. like processing it. But some things are not mental issues. Some things are not to be processed in the mind. It's to be processed in the body, in Mm. the soma. Somatically, that's where nervous system regulation plays a huge role because a lot of nervous system regulation is, it has nothing to do with what we're thinking. It has to do with how we're feeling. It has much more to do with how what our body is doing and how our body yeah. is Yeah. Yeah, I've never thought about it that way. That I don't think I've ever thought about approaching healing any sort of emotion or trauma by way of my body first and then yeah. my emotional state second. That's very interesting. And it's it's actually very coincidental too that you bring that up because I recently had another guest on the podcast and we were talking about how we connect with our intuition. And I was telling her Mm -hmm. a lot of the time I feel my intuition by way of like how my body is signaling me. So if I feel like heart palpitations or butterflies in my, my chest or my stomach, or, you know, a part of like my body feels like it's shutting down or like sleeping right now, that's definitely how I, at at least presently, like how I connect with my intuition. Mm -hmm. So I, I've definitely noticed and a very big, you know, sort of trauma response for me for healing is identifying where I feel that trauma in my body mm-hmm. and approaching it that way. But I don't think I've ever like consciously acknowledged that it's it's a way of me healing my body first and, and therefore healing my mind second. Yeah. And it's so – I'm glad that you've mentioned that. First of all, thank you for sharing that part of your healing journey. Um because that's just it. Like we think to ourselves, where am I feeling this in my body? But mm-hmm. then it stops there. Yeah. The awareness stops there. And then mm-hmm. we then focus on, okay, what do I think about how I'm feeling it mm-hmm. in my body? Yeah. How do I make sense of this with my thoughts? How do I logically connect these dots instead of like taking the time to feel it in your body and mm-hmm. then use your body to move through it? We don't have to really think about it. We just have to kind of move through it. Use some nervous system regulation tools, which we can go over yeah. as well, yeah. to 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 re- not just release that trauma or to release what whatever's coming up in your body, mm-hmm. um, but to but to move through it and to and to let it go essentially. 
Yeah. Yeah. I would love to go over some of these techniques. So when you say that if, if I were to be in a coaching session with you and I identified Mm -hmm. a feeling of trauma in my body, let's say, you know, most commonly for me, it's like chest pains, or I feel like something stuck in my chest. So once I have that awareness and then you say most people kind of move directly to the brain and like the, the emotional Mm -hmm. response, what would, what would be the steps following that awareness? If I was using nervous system regulation to address that trauma response? Yeah. So my approach with this, and it might vary from practitioner to practitioner, Mm -hmm. but my approach with this is to, like, it's very powerful to recognize where we're feeling something in our body because then we can give it a name, place, Mm -hmm. we can call it out, et cetera. But then that stops there. For Mm -hmm. me, we don't need to fixate on that. We don't need to necessarily think about it or talk about it further, that's where we get into the movements and the practices. And these are all somatic practices. They're things like breath work, Mm -hmm. um, muscle tension and releasing, aka clenching, (laughs) Um, which is a silly word. But, you know, sometimes it's nice to laugh and be silly in sessions with clients, especially when we're processing trauma. Yeah. Um, It can be very – it can take a toll. Anyways, I'm being – I'm getting sidetracked. No, no, absolutely. Words like, like clenching. Uh, so those are a few, and these are things that we can even practice like over this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone who's listening right now, I invite you to join in on this nervous system practice with Lauren and I, um, the first one we'll maybe practice is doing some breath work. We'll start by doing something called box breathing. We'll take in a deep breath in for a count of four. We'll hold it at the top of the breath for a count of four. We'll exhale for a count of four, and then we'll hold it at the bottom for a count of four. So I'll invite everybody right now to take a deep breath in for through the nose for one, two, three, four, hold it at the top for one, two, three, four. Exhale slowly through the mouth. One, two, three, four. And hold the breath at the bottom for one, two, three, four. Even just from 16 seconds of that breath work, that's something you can do repeatedly for however long we're feeling activated to start to transition from the sympathetic to the parasympathetic nervous system breathwork quite literally changes your brain chemistry, which is why it's so useful. And it's such an accessible tool Mm -hmm. that I sometimes don't think people realize how accessible it is. Sometimes Mm -hmm. when we think about healing, people get so hung up on like the all or nothing. Like, well, I need to be doing all of the things. Mm -hmm. It's not razzle dazzle enough. It's not shiny enough. I need to do more. No, you don't. (laughs) Take a few deep breaths. That's a starting point. Yeah. So once we do some deep breathing, which is something I do with most of my clients actually to just kind of start to get into that parasympathetic state, then we can get into things like shaking. Shaking is essentially like you can roll the shoulders back, lift the arms up, let the hands kind of flop down and then just shake out your hands, let your fingers and hands flop to the side, let them flop around. If you're doing that with me right now, everyone who's li- anyone who's listening, just know that I'm currently doing this right now. And when you go to let it go, you just let it drop and you just let everything kind of fall down. Even that sensation, you can feel your body, Mm -hmm. like you can feel it in your hands, in your fingers, in your arms. It goes up to your shoulders. If you shake your hands out while holding your arms up long enough, it'll get your heart pumping too Mm because we're holding our arms up, right? We're turning something mental into a somatic release. Um, another practice we can do right now is is the muscle tension and mm-hmm. release. So that essentially is squeezing a muscle group. I like to do something kind of obscure that we wouldn't normally think to squeeze. So like your quads or your hamstrings. So like take a moment to like 
try to activate those muscles, squeeze them, squeeze them, squeeze them, squeeze them, keep going, keep going, keep going. And then before I say release, just think release and absolutely drop all of the tension and release, let it all go. That is a way to kind of remind ourselves of the role that our body plays. Mm -hmm. It's reconnection to our body essentially. So those are all very, those are three very simple nervous system regulation techniques that anyone can use. They're, they're accessible to anyone at any time. Arguably maybe the shaking, if people feel insecure about doing that in public, I totally hear you. But the clenching and the and the box breathing, totally accessible. Yeah, absolutely. I've been practicing box breathing and doing um, breathwork exercises for a really long time now since I, I'm pretty sure since I started my healing journey when I was practicing EFT, we did a lot of, or at least with a practitioner, we did mm-hmm. a lot of box breathing and that's always something I have had difficulty connecting with up until I started this journey because mm-hmm. I do have uh, just like small heart condition, which it just adds extra beats to my like my day. So I naturally – my doctor literally told me, you're naturally going to feel in an anxious state. And I'm like, fantastic. That sounds <laughs> awful. So I've been practicing breathwork exercises for a really long time yeah. uh, just as a way to like remedy that when I specifically feel that condition happening. Mm-hmm. So that carries me into a, a point that we hadn't discussed, but I'm just super curious on it. What is the differences you notice with practicing NSR – with someone who's had a trauma response more in the head versus someone who's experienced physical trauma, like a car accident or anything like that? Do you have like differences that you've noticed with the way these exercises work with uh, different types of trauma? So the interesting thing is that trauma is very misunderstood. Mm -hmm. There are absolutely different types of trauma, but they tend to take form or hold space in our body very similarly, regardless of the type of trauma. And the thing about trauma that a lot of people don't understand is that when we are triggered or when we are traumatized, we it's it's not that what how am I trying to say this? When we're triggered, the thing that is triggering us isn't the trauma itself. Mm-hmm. It is our body remembering how Mm -hmm. it felt in the state at the time of the trauma occurring and our body going back into that state. Yeah. And so even though the, the actual trauma or the threat isn't present, our body assumes that it is. So that's Mm -hmm. where the trigger comes from. Um, So essentially you, the, all of these practices can be used for all types of trauma. Sometimes the depth of them might depend on how severely the trauma is affecting your life. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if it's to the point where like you can't like leave your house, so like there are, everything ha- is on a spectrum, right? Like yeah, if, of course. if it's to the point where well, many areas of your life are affected in a more severe way, you probably need more targeted help and you probably need like intentional time every day yeah. to start to address this trauma, right? Mm-hmm. But the day-to-day, these are the triggers that come up day-to-day and I'm talking anything from like being triggered by like, I don't know, seeing your ex on yeah. the street or <laughs> that like sounds being, very triggering. Yeah. being honked at in traffic. Like these yeah. are all things that like we can use nervous system regulation yeah. to get ourselves through the day to day. Absolutely. Yeah. This is, this is fantastic. Continuing on that more trauma conversation, I would love to know more about the physicality of it regarding the body, because I think when we think about 
any sort of non-traditional therapy approaches, there's always a, I think, more inclusive tone to it. With all, with all of the non-traditional therapies that I've tried, EFT, EMDR, all of these different types of things, it's mm-hmm. very much of the mind and of the body. And I think that traditional talk therapy doesn't always incorporate ways to associate trauma in the body or associate anxiety or depression or feelings of any sort of negative emotion in the body. Like I personally feel guilt and anger the most in my body. When I get angry, I like my heart rate increases astronomically. Mm -hmm. I visibly start to shake. My breath like starts to decrease and I'm like short of breath. So how, how does nervous system regulation, not just in the ways we've already talked about and the, in the approaches of it, but when trauma so severely affects our body or an emotional response so severely affects our body, how does nervous system regulation, would you say, and again, I know you're, you're biased to it, but that's the best part. How would <laughs> yeah. you say that can sometimes outweigh the benefits of other types of therapy or traditional talk therapy? Essentially, you want to kind of take an inventory and take personal responsibility for yourself and your own healing, right? So if you've done something a certain way, yet the result is still the same, Mm -hmm. like give yourself permission to question it, to ask yourself what is working, what's not working with traditional talk therapy. And I say this as a psychotherapist Mm -hmm. who does talk therapy. It it can be a little bit limited in that that – it it can take you so far and then and then it becomes an issue that requires a different approach right mm-hmm. um and we are only as limited as we let ourselves be so if you continue to kind of push and ask those questions like well if this is if if i'm trying to feel differently but i'm doing the same thing like what do we call that the definition of insanity right yeah so sometimes it does require doing something different mm-hmm. and taking a chance on something that maybe looks feels has a reputation for being like silly yeah um, mm-hmm. but but if the outcome is feeling better then who's really laughing right yeah absolutely who's the I, silly one yeah yeah i definitely think being the the silliness aspect like when i again just always going back to this cuz it's just such an important part of my journey but when i first started eft um or doing things like butterfly tapping or anything that mm-hmm. triggers yeah. a like reset in your body I did feel very awkward at the beginning. And it's not to say I was doing it in front of people. It was always in the comfort of my own home where no one else was around. But Mm -hmm. even the thought of it, like approaching it in a way that felt non-traditional felt so out of the box that I thought to myself, like, how the hell is this going to work? I just don't see how this is like a real thing. But I really wanted to be open-minded about it. And then when I started seeing the results and I started seeing the changes in in the way I would respond to trauma or in the way I would even think about my trauma, it felt so different to the way I've ever approached healing with therapy. Yeah. Because with talk therapy, like you said, it it can feel so limited because when you just say the same things over and over again, I feel this way, this is what's happened to me. There's only so far you can get with verbally acknowledging things. And I think that when people make that first step anyways, when people can verbally out loud admit what's happened to them or what they've done or what they've Mm -hmm. experienced like that's to me 
That is always one of the very most important first steps. Yeah. And then talking about it and and opening up about it, it can feel so cathartic, but not necessarily healing. And I, I don't think I ever experienced feelings of actual healing of my trauma until I started doing EFT and EMDR and things that associated my trauma with my body. Because so much of what our day-to-day is, is compacted into our, our physicality, like the, the physical manifestation of our bodies and our souls in this world. And Mm -hmm. I don't think so many people realize that when you experience even not a trauma, but like you said, like a trigger, even when you experience something like that, like you can visibly feel and visibly see and feel your body change when something happens. And I did not know that that was a incredibly important trauma response until I started having these types of conversations. Like I just thought it was normal for your heart rate to increase or to feel scared or to feel in that flight or fight sense. And I didn't know how to address it in talk therapy because it was more about addressing the emotions rather than the physicality aspect. Yeah, that's such a good point, Lauren. And you know, this leads me to want to talk about how how we can then use our body responses to help us in a moment of need or in a moment yeah. of return. And it quite literally is as simple as A, trusting our bodies to know what they know, which is essentially mm-hmm. everything when we're in a trigger state. Yep. Um, but yeah, when when people are feeling triggered, oftentimes the response is fight, flight, freeze, fawn, right? Mm-hmm. With nervous system regulation, take a moment to – do your deep breathing, do whatever nervous system regulation practice that gets you to start to transition back to the parasympathetic state. And then guess what you can do? You can quite literally ask yourself, ask your body, mm-hmm. what does my body need right now? Mm-hmm. Not what do I need to talk? I, I doubt usually when you're in a triggered state, it's I need to talk about my emotion. Yeah. I need to talk about, I need to talk about how this made me feel. No, Sometimes it's, I need to lay down. I need to sit in the fetal position. I need to give myself a hug. I need somebody else to give me a hug. I need to like, like scream into a pillow. It's usually something somatic with the body, but the way we get there is by taking that moment of reflection and quite literally Mm -hmm. asking ourselves, what does my body need right now? Yeah. What does my body need right now? And, and so much can come up just from having the ability to ask that question, but we often don't think to ask that question. We're not taught to ask. I, th- I think it's such a incredibly simple question to ask yourself, but for so many people, it can feel so scary because they know mm-hmm. the answer could be so loaded. Yeah. And I think just referencing your body and asking – so many people – I think that there's a very interesting balance or more so imbalance between this, but mm-hmm. so many people are so – disinclined to talk about their emotions, disinclined to listen to their body. And if they do one, then they are very opposed to the other. And Mm -hmm. I think having these conversations and letting people know how important it is to do both the talking, but also the listening of what your body has to say to you can be so, so incredibly healing. And the, the inacknowledgement of it, do you see that question mark just pop up? (laughs) I did. What? It was a, it was give, the universe was giving us a thumbs up. We're on the right track. <laughs> Wait, okay. Okay. What the hell just happened? What was that? Okay, for you guys listening, I was in the middle of a conversation and I looked at my screen and like a thought bubble popped up and gave me a thumbs up. Zoe. 
the universe literally just said like you guys are on the right track yes honestly what the fuck? I too, and I'm like what is that <laughs> I sw- my hands are down here I didn't press anything that is so funny the universe okay. has entered the chat <laughs> the universe has entered the chat okay that was crazy so we are totally nailing it I love that for yes. us um anyways something I was gonna say though is that I was just recording a podcast last week about how several, several months ago, like towards the beginning of me moving back up to New Jersey slash New York type of vibe, um, it was like a couple months in. So this was at least a year, if not a year and a half ago. And I had, I woke up with so much anxiety. I just like, I couldn't get to a sense of calm. And I went to go sit down at my desk to work and I was feeling anxiety about like work and just when I was going to reach a a new level of success and when I was going to feel more independent and when I was going to feel all of these things that I I wanted so badly. And I sat down at this desk right here where I'm talking to you and I immediately started to feel that panic. And I was like, no, I'm going to have a panic attack. Like, what the fuck do I do? And Mm -hmm. I, I, I mean, I've experienced so many of those in my life, but at that moment I knew so deeply it was happening and, and I didn't know how to avoid it. And I kept trying to push it off. And then like 10, 20 minutes in, I was just finally like, no, I need to let this happen. My body is telling me I need to release whatever is going on. So I laid down on the floor right here. I've mm-hmm. curled into a fetal position and yeah. I let myself panic. And I, I started hysterically crying. My breathing was so erratic. My heart was at like probably 200 beats per minute. And I was flipping out and I let it happen for what felt like hours, but it was probably like, 10, five to 10 minutes. And then Mm -hmm. once I finally started to able to calm myself down and breathe, I just laid there on my back, like chest, arms spread wide open, just breathing. And I was like, immediately felt this this overwhelming sense of calmness that I just needed to let that release happen. So with nervous system regulation, we've talked a lot about already very calm ways to regulate the body. But what happens when you do get into that state of panic? Do you, as a practitioner, typically advise clients to let that panic happen and just let that release go? Because it's it's, it's such a release of endorphins, energy, et cetera. And then once they feel that sense of calm, do they practice the more calming techniques of NSR and, and things like that? Yeah, honestly, the the instinctual response to a panic attack is to do anything to stop it. Yeah, absolutely. But the more yeah. we try to stop it, the more it persists. The more mm-hmm. we focus on not hyperventilating, the more we just yep. naturally hyperventilate, right? Mm-hmm. So it, I think exactly what you did in, in letting it happen and you're in a safe environment to do so – Again, everything I say, like, let's let's take responsibility for our own healing here and be mindful of there are always exceptions and there's Mm -hmm. other circumstances where maybe this is not accessible. But in general, these are all feelings and emotions that are trapped in our body. They need a way out. And the way out isn't by shoving them back in. It's by letting them come out. It's by letting them be felt. It's by letting them be seen, heard, expressed, released. And that is through letting the panic attack happen. And you know, it's all temporary. Yeah, The panic attack is not going to last forever. If at the very least, because our body is going to get tired. Yeah. Eventually our body is going to get tired. Right. And, and so it's going to stop at some point. Um, so I do often, I've actually been with, um, a client who has had a panic attack and essentially my role as a therapist is to 
reassure them that I'm there and to let it happen. Yeah. I remind them that they're safe. They might not feel feel as such. I, I, I'll talk them through it. I'll say it feels like your throat is closing up. It's not. Mm-hmm. Keep breathing. Keep breathing. Let these breaths come out of you. Let them come up. Let them come up. Anything that you're feeling, it's safe to let it out. You kind of talk them through. Make sure they're safe. Eventually, it'll pass. Eventually, it'll get to a point where they can breathe normally again mm-hmm. and then get to that parasympathetic state with other nervous system regulation practices. But the way to kind of prolong anxiety or to prolong a panic attack is to try to stop it in its tracks. All emotions like anger, sadness, anxiety, depression, they have such a bad reputation as like quote unquote negative emotions, but let's drop the negative. They're just emotions. And if we were to call those emotions our friend Mm -hmm. who cares so much about us, that's why they're here. Mm -hmm. If anger is your best friend, like anger shows up when we're activated because it cares so much about us, right? Mm -hmm. So listen to anger. What's anger trying to tell me? Mm. What, and then go back into that other question we talked about earlier. What do I need right now? What yeah. does my body need right now? It's all about looking at it from a different perspective. And, you know, these things are hard, right? Like we talked about earlier, you start you started talking about like starting this healing journey and some things weren't working and how do, how do we heal? And people tend to keep it at like cap it at like the talk therapy, right? Yeah. There does have to be a willingness to go there. Mm-hmm. And with that willingness to go there is the understanding that it's going to be uncomfortable. Things are going to get uncovered. There, there might be painful recollections, emotions that have been trapped in the body for so long might come up and they might be very overwhelming to feel. But the alternative is for them to not only stay stuck, but for them to stay stuck and take up even more space over mm-hmm. time because they're so stuck. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. that makes so much sense. And it's definitely... I feel like anyone listening to this podcast should just absolutely take this as an invitation to explore those deeper Mm -hmm. emotions because I myself, like for people that have listened to this podcast for a long time, know that it took me from the moment I I experienced like my first major trauma, it took me over four years to start to even think about like, okay, maybe I should deal with this because Mm -hmm. my life is miserable and I'm miserable and I don't know how to function normally anymore. And just making that initial choice, I felt like immediately gave me so much more power and put me back in like the, I don't want to say driver's seat. Like, I don't want to say that I was in control of my emotions because I don't know that we ever are, but it made me feel comfortable again to identify emotions and feel safe and saying, I feel angry. I feel grief. I feel resentment. I feel guilt. Instead Mm -hmm. of cramming those feelings and emotions down and pretending like they didn't exist at all. Because like you said, like they literally took up space in my body. Yeah. I visibly got, you know, I I visibly gained weight. I was bloated all the time. Like they literally actually took physical space up in my body. Not like this metaphorical metaphysical space. Like I was – I felt like weighted down all the time, like oh, that yeah. feeling of like your the world is sitting on your shoulders. I've I've talked about this before with a friend or on the podcast before, but like when I was going through that state of very severe denial, I con- was just consistently feeling like I was not grounded, but being pushed into the ground, like always mm-hmm. walking with like a, a 
a slump in my shoulders or whatever it was because these emotions were so, so weighted, not just in my mind, but in my body as well, which is such an interesting response to the way we experience emotions and trauma. Because like we keep saying, like, I, I just think that so many people are at a disadvantage to acknowledge these emotions and acknowledge the way these feelings are showing up. So in listening to this podcast, hopefully so many more people will be like, yes, this is another way for me to explore my trauma or my emotions because Mm -hmm. this is just such a powerful way to heal, not just in the mind, but very much centering these emotions in the body. Yeah. And even you just sharing that story, like if you think about it, the awareness that you had around the thoughts that were heavy mm-hmm. and then their translation into manifesting physically in your body. Yeah. Like, does that not tell you about how much we're not even aware of? Yeah. It just kind of happens. Yep. We we don't even realize it. We don't even acknowledge it or think about it. We just think, oh, this is normal for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. absolutely. Yeah. It's so interesting the way that emotions can appear in our body, in our mind, in our lives, like signals we get from the universe saying like, hey, this is coming up. You need to address this. And we're just like, the signal's right in front of our face, but we're looking left or right trying to avoid it. Anywhere but at the signal. (laughs) Yeah. It's so weird. So to round out, we've talked a lot about trauma, but I also, so trauma being like things that we've experienced in our past, all of this stuff that we've experienced, you know, up until this day. I want to talk about how we can use nervous system regulation to heal limiting beliefs we have in our future. So how do you use the NSR to address future pains? And I know that just to preface this with EFT, I've always been taught and told and learned that anything we anything we fear or any limiting beliefs we have about our future are all rooted in our past. So fully understanding that, let's say that everyone coming to this podcast knows that like, okay, if I have a fear about public speaking, it's because I, you know, in second grade went up to the front of the class and threw up or sneezed or did whatever. So with limiting beliefs, how do you use nervous system regulation to approach very fear or limiting responses to like goals or dreams or being an entrepreneur. Yeah, I think the important thing with nervous system regulation is to establish that sense of resiliency and being able to make like decisions or to to present ourselves like our literal behavior um, is coming from a place of being regulated. So when we're regulated, it's not so much that the fear goes mm-hmm. away. It's more so that we feel capable of regulating ourselves to still move forward alongside that fear. And then through moving forward through the fear anyways while regulating ourselves, we then attach new evidence that we're safe. Okay. We attach new evidence that it's safe for me to public speak using the example that you Mm -hmm. chose. It's not that we heal it through our nervous system and then we go from never public speaking or the first time we public speak to being like, oh, I'm all of a sudden not scared. No, with nervous system regulation, essentially the fear would be there. We would regulate ourselves, get ourselves into as clear of a state of mind as we can, do the public speaking alongside the fear, and then take a moment to maybe intentionally attach the safety that then comes from doing it Mm -hmm. anyways and seeing that the old narrative maybe doesn't have space moving forward. So that's essentially how we can use nervous system regulation to um, to heal limiting beliefs and to like strengthen neural new neural yeah. pathways and and 
give less strength to weaken, there's the word, <laughs> weaken old neural pathways that aren't really serving us anymore. Yeah, I've talked a lot about neural pathways and how we build new ones in our in our lives because so much of what I talk about with friends or clients or anyone who has any sort of learning belief, which is every Everyone. single person in this world, a lot of the times I talk about or read literature on or just hear about ways that you know, the the starting out is always the hardest part because we've strengthened mm-hmm. this so-called negative neural pathway yeah. so much throughout our lives that if if I tell myself every single day or every time I'm approached about public speaking that I can't do it, I am going to wholeheartedly believe that. And then if I one day decide like, no, I want to take control of this, I want to change. And then I decide I can public speak, like that new neural pathway is an inch compared to miles and miles of what, what I've already strengthened throughout my life. So I think using other ways besides reprogramming the brain, so doing it physically can be so important and so beneficial to strengthening that new neural pathway because, again, going back to the way we respond to these emotions physically and respond to trauma, doing NSR and being able to practice breathing when you're feeling that heart rate increase about public speaking or whatever it is that you have that limiting belief on, again, like you said, creates that safety net that our body and our mind is so often craving Mm -hmm. for when we feel in a fear response. So I think that using both mentally restabling, you know, thoughts, but also doing things like the box breathing or butterfly tapping or, you know, doing the the clenching or the the waving of your hands, doing that to re-regulate your body and take it out of that fear response that you're currently in can be such an impactful thing to do right mm-hmm. on the spot whenever you're feeling those feelings yeah. of fear. It's a, it's like an immediate disruption of the old yeah. pattern. It's an immediate yes. disruption. And exactly yeah. as you said, Lauren, um, we're talking about reprogramming beliefs that have kept us safe, fake safe, um, yep. for years, yep. if not our whole life. These have been beliefs that have been reinforced time and time and time and time and time again. This is why mm-hmm. the neural pathway is so strong and it can feel so threatening mm-hmm. to our nervous system to start to yeah. – rewire it. Um, But the good news is that if we can wire it that way, we can rewire it a different way. And if we can unconsciously, just through moving through life, strengthen it so powerfully um, over the course of our lifespan, we can intentionally rewire it much quicker because of the intention added. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I love it. This has been such a productive conversation. I feel so inspired. I love it. Yeah, I love talking about this stuff. It's so great. Well, Zoe, this has been such a fabulous conversation. Thank you so much for coming on. I am so happy I got to have you. We should absolutely do this again. I get to say that with all of my guests, which is such a pleasure. But I want to give you a moment to give something to the listeners because you've added so much value to this podcast. So tell the listeners how they can work with you. Yeah, thank you so much, Lauren. It was a pleasure being on the show. I'm so happy we got to have such a juicy conversation. Um, So juicy. (laughs) Um, I have an exciting offer coming up actually with Zoe Magnetic. I will be launching my first ever group coaching container. I do one-on-ones currently and so I'm excited to have a group offering called Rekindle and the focus is to rekindle your relationship with yourself. Um, the modules I'll be focusing on are nervous system regulation, no surprises there, self-acceptance, self-trust, self-love. Um, it's going to
going to be super exciting. I have two free masterclasses coming up for people who want more information on that on Sunday, November 12th, this Sunday, November 12th at 5 p.m. EST and uh, Tuesday, November 28th at 7.30 p.m. EST. And you can get information from that from the waitlist link in the show notes. And then the program will be starting uh, the first week of December, which I'm so excited about. Maybe a couple Black Friday deals in there mixed in as well. Oh my gosh, I love it. I love when we can be our little salesy selves and throw in some Black Friday deals and some launch deals. That's so fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, super exciting stuff. So yeah, if anyone feels called, by all means, sign up in the waitlist. Use the waitlist link to uh, get some more information. Yes, that sounds fabulous and very exciting news for those of you who want to see Zoe long term. She will be a part of the LaRue community. She will be on our brand partners list, which is so exciting. So in the future, whenever you feel called or are ready to work with Zoe, she will be right there in the community. I am so excited to continue sharing more amazing brands that we are going to be working with. But Zoe, this has been so fabulous. Thank you so, so much for coming on. You are such a doll. This was wonderful. Thanks so much, Lauren. And I am thrilled to be a part of the community as well. I can't wait for the new year. It's going to be awesome. It is. Yay. All right. You guys know the spiel. I love you all so, so dearly. And I will see all of you beautiful souls next week.